This week on the Michaud Mission, we hear once again from the Corrections Department about a faux pas in Six Degrees of Dervell Martin. We debut theme music for our top five feature, and Vincent takes his ever-loving sweet time getting from Derville Martin to the stars of Young Gun. We also talk about Daffy Duck, Donald Duck, Uncle Scrooge, and we review Bird from 1988, starring Forrest Whitaker and directed by Clint Eastwood. All that and more on tonight's edition of The Michelle Mission. Hey, welcome to the Michelle Mission, two men, one podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Triple. And as always, I'm joined by my partner. Hey, what's going on? This is Vincent Williams. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are still pleasantly entrenched in June. 2022 which is black music month yes sir and as we are celebrating some of the luminaries of black music this month tonight it is vincent selection from 1988 Mm -hmm. a clint eastwood joint (laughs) yes we are what you did there we are reviewing (laughs) forrest whitaker as charlie parker aka Bird. Bird. Our selection for tonight's review on the Michelle Mission. But before we get into that, we want to thank each and every one of you out there who are watching us as we are streaming live via StreamYard to Facebook, YouTube, as well as to Twitch. Before we get into the business of show tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we ask you to join us in celebrating June 7th. Yes. The birthday. Yes. Of one Prince Rogers Nelson. Happy birthday, Prince. Happy birthday. We're talking about Black Music Month. That's right. We should talk about Prince. He was born June 7th in 1958. Unfortunately, he passed way too soon. Oh, my goodness. In April of 2016, Prince widely regarded as one of the greatest musicians of his generation, I dare say, of all time. I would absolutely say of all time. Yeah. I would absolutely say of all time. So. Yeah. So listen to some Prince today, folks, if you haven't been listening to it already. Let me ask you. Yes, sir. If you had to, just real quick. Okay. Give someone three Prince records. Three Prince albums. So albums. Well, let's say songs. Or songs. Let's say songs. Three Prince songs. Okay. Prince songs to give them an embodiment of what Prince was as well as what he meant to you. Three songs. Yes. Oh my goodness. Uh, take me with you from Purple Rain. Really? Now that's 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 mm-hmm. that's surprisingly a deep cut. Mm, that <laughs> that was actually my surface level cut. <laughs> um, well, any, I guess anything off of Purple Rain. Yeah, I was about to level. say. Yeah, yeah. Um, if I was your girlfriend. Mm. Off a of sign of the times, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then my deep cut because because I feel like you have to do a B side to really do Prince. Mm-hmm. I would do probably oh I guess 
Irresistible Bitch might be the most famous B-side, but right up there with it would, of course, be um, How Come You Don't Call Me Anymore. See? So those would be my three. See, I see. this is why we're partners. Okay. Because wh- why don't you uh, call me no more? Mm-hmm would definitely be one of my three yeah yeah definitely want to be one of my three um i probably would pull baby well i want to say baby i'm a star but i don't want to go mm-hmm. there i don't want to okay. go there um actually actually you know you know what song kind of like it's, it's silly it's quaint it's whatever but it tickles me and i love it raspberry beret it's a great song. I love Raspberry. It's a Burrow. great song, especially when you listen to the lyrics, because what she's saying is that she's stupid and she's naked. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> Raspberry Beret, uh, why don't you call me no it's more? It's like this beautiful girl with a hat on pushing into a door that says pull. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then, and I don't know if this was the deep cut, because I think it was a single, but it would, certainly was not a hit. Mm-hmm. I'm, well, it wasn't a, like a, a huge hit, because, mm-hmm. but it may be one of my favorite Prince songs, and that's "Call My Name." That's a good one. Oh, that's a, that's a little later too. I know. I okay, know. But, I, but I I absolutely love that. I love love that. It's it, it's crazy. I was thinking about this the other day because I I listen to like all three of those songs at least once a week. Mm-hmm. Um, what album is that on? That is on Musicology. Okay. 2004. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was going to say Musicology. It's show. a solid album. It is. That's a solid it album. It, it's one of his, you know, yeah. later albums, mm-hmm. but it's, it's a good album. But that is one of my favorite Prince songs, and and for it to be one of his later ones, that's mm-hmm. kind of interesting. The same way as with Michael Jackson, my favorite Michael Jackson song is "Heaven Can Wait." Which is off of like, I mean, that's the posthumous. That's that's no, off. Of, no, that's that's, that's not off of Invincible. That's not Invincible. Wasn't it? no, no. It's it's um, it is off of Invincible, that, but Invincible was not posthumous. I don't believe. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't believe that's imposthumous. The posthumous you're right. Was, you're right. You're yeah. right. It wasn't posthumous. That, that it, it came out like. Did he die? Yeah. When Invincible I, was out, I think. Yeah. Well probably but you're right because that's the album that infamously he didn't want to release butterflies exactly yeah. exactly yeah 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 but yeah i love i love um heaven can wait is that house of jazz too like i know it was a couple of philly joints on there besides butterflies house of jazz ain't yeah, but right, because you know, uh, Marsha Ambrosius yeah, wrote, wrote it, it and, and it, but yeah, I think House of Jazz produced it, produced, produced butterflies. A, yes, for, but I thought they, I thought it was a couple of songs on there. They didn't do Call My Name. Okay, I mean, um, Heaven Can Wait, Heaven Can Wait. I, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure who produced it, but I, I'm pretty sure they didn't. Yeah, that's a I good could song. be wrong. Someone will correct me. Yeah, it's a good song. No, I like it. Yeah, I like that song. But yeah. So anyway, happy birthday, happy birthday to Prince. Prince. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Sean Simmons let me know that uh, Invincible was 2001, 2002. So, yeah, and he was and he he died much later. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there you go. Like I said, I just, <laughs> you know, I just remember the word was he didn't think Butterfly should have been released. And I was like, how you release Speed, but you don't want to release Butterflies. Thank you. Thank but, you. 
Thank you. We're keeping it positive. Happy Thank birthday you. to Prince. Let's get into our listener mail. All right. I'm waiting for you. You're waiting for me to what? You have the mail. I can't read it. Yes, but what do you... Oh, oh I'm sorry. <laughs> Missives from the missionaries. I was like, Lord, do, do I have a letter? <laughs> no, but we've got a letter for you. Greetings again from Louisiana. It's Anthony Sterling, a.k.a. Hey. the Correction Department. What's up, Anthony? Oh, Lord. What, 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 what? I returned with another fun correction. What is the correction? During episode 303, Okay. Our review of Miles Ahead. Yes. During the Six Degrees of Derville Martin. Oh, come on. <laughs> as Vince was connecting Derville Martin to Jennifer Connolly. Yes. He places her in the Incredible Hulk with Edward Norton. Sorry to say that while she was in a movie about Marvel's gamma radiated Goliath, it's not the 2008 one that starred Ed Norton as Bruce Banner and Liv Tyler as Betty Ross. <laughs> See? And that's exactly what I said. Hold your applause. She was in, actually, the 2003 Ang Lee-directed oh, Hulk, goodness. which starred Eric Bana as Bruce. Oh. And Jennifer played Betty. Now, don't let this correction get you down, because the silver lining is this proves <laughs> yes. Vincent's theory <laughs> that you can replace Jennifer Connelly with Liv Tyler, and it will make no difference as true and proven scientific fact. They actually played the same character. And I didn't, did you know that? No, because I, because I knew she was in a Hulk movie. So when you said Ed Norton, I said, right. Okay, yeah, it's not like she, it's just, that was the one. Well, there you go. Uh, but no, <laughs> we, were, we were wrong. Continue the fantastic work and I hope you were able to get your toasted <laughs> almond bars. Ah! Designed Anthony Sterling. Thank you, Anthony. All right. All right. So the gauntlet has been thrown. The gauntlet has been we, thrown. We, we do it tonight. We're going to be right and correct. <laughs> we, yes. All right. We have to. All right. Thank you, Anthony. We also heard from Stephen Hendricks. Hey, what's up, Stephen? What's up, guys? Um, this is in regards to Nia Long's The Godfather. <laughs> Give us a call, Paramount. <laughs> I enjoyed your Miles Ahead episode a lot. I was cracking up at work, especially during the Nia Long segment. I totally like to see an all Nia Long version <laughs> of The Godfather. Maybe even Scarface. <laughs> Much love, Steven. <laughs> I mean, she's a thespian of many talents. So she could absolutely do it. She she absolutely yeah could. Um, so thank you, thank you. That was a a lot of fun. That, yes, that actually was yes. was quite fun. And yes, um, we broke it out from the show and put it up on social media where <laughs> yes. people have been enjoying it. So yes, check us out on Instagram. Our reels on Instagram and check that out. It's it, if uh, it's a lot of fun. It was it was, it was insane. It was insane. All right. That was our listener mail. All right. Thank you. One and all. And now it's time to get into our segments. Yo, all right. We've got segments. We've got segments. All right. We've got segments and both segments. Okay. Tie in some way to the film. Interesting. That we are reviewing this evening. Okay. 
All right. All right. All right. So first up, let's get to the top five. Top five. Who's your top five? Top five, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. All right. We got we got theme music. So, All right. So that means it's not going anywhere. I'll say it's real. I didn't hear from y'all saying that y'all wanted to leave, so now it's staying because it's got theme music. So you're stuck right. with it. That's how it that's In this how it case, silence is consent. <laughs> exactly. All right. Now, tonight's top five. And I was I was, you know, mulling over exactly what I wanted to do for our top five this week. Right? Okay. Because we're we're talking about Charlie Parker. Yes, we are. We're talking about jazz. Yes, we we're are. Talking about Forrest Whitaker. We are. So did I want to do top five Forrest Whitaker movies? Yeah. yeah. Did I want to do top five uh, jazz movies? Yeah. yeah you know yeah. what I mean? Um, it's like oh, I don't know. That's too easy. Um, you know, uh, uh, Clint Eastwood is the director. Clint yeah, Eastwood yeah, yeah. is now probably equally as famous as a director as he was an actor. Isn't but he, that interesting? Right. Yeah. But he's still an actor. He was an actor first. Yeah. So I do, I want to do the, the best actors turned directors. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I didn't, didn't know which way I wanted to go. I was mulling it over with our co-producer Maurice, you know, and then I hit upon something. Okay. Charlie Parker, his nickname mm-hmm. is Yardbird. Yes. But they shorten it and they call him Bird. Yes. That's the title of the movie. That's the title of the movie. Bird. And that's a great nickname. It is. It was a great, great nickname. And even Maurice suggested maybe we do the top five jazz nicknames. Okay. I like it. I like that too. And I started look researching. Okay. And when I happened upon not one, not two, not three, but 20 different guys who went by the name of Doc. <laughs> I said, okay. All right. This is not going to work. Well, you know, you pick one and then you, but okay. I mean, you got Bird, you got Satchmo. Yeah. And yeah. How, other, how unique are the rest? I mean, you got Dizzy. Okay. You got Dizzy. You got that Cab. And that's it. Every Like everyone else is Sunny. <laughs> You got Joe. You got Philly. You got Philly Joe Jones. He's he's the Joe Jones that's from Philly. Yeah, but is that really a a great nickname? I mean, you know, you know, I like it. This this eighty two eighty two docs. There's a hundred and five Sunnies. There's there's ninety six buddies. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, this is not going to work. Okay. So then I went another way. Okay. So I present to you, Vincent. Okay. The top five iconic <laughs> birds of movie history. I'll take it. You like that? I like that. All right. All right. So the top five iconic birds of, of movie history, starting with number five. Number five most iconic birds in film history. Right. Okay. Number five, number five is the penguins from Penguins of Madagascar. So just as a group. As a group. As a group. Because you can't just take out one of those paintings. They don't really stand alone. No, they don't. Okay. And they operate as a unit. They do. As a tight 
unit. It's right. a tight, you know, like military combat unit. Almost. Right, 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 right. There can't like be one. No. It can't be like penguin ghost protocol. No, it cannot. Right. Okay. It cannot. It cannot. All right. So that's a good group. The penguins of did you are you familiar with them? Of course I am. I have children. You do. Yeah. And I enjoyed them. Hey, look. And I was, you know, I was sorry that they didn't catch on like the minions. Right. Because I could have lived for more movies of the penguins of Madagascar. Right. Just doing stuff. Yeah. Even though I think they I think they did go to Saturday morning cartoons or uh, sure. Yeah. It seems Donald, that seems like some money DreamWorks wouldn't have left on the table. No, they, they don't leave much out there. Yeah. So that's number five. Okay. Okay. All right. Then number four. Number four. Mumble. <laughs> AKA Happy Feet. I was I was about to say. No one actually knows his name. We all just call him Happy Feet. Yeah, you, you, you figured that. Design. Right. I honestly thought that was his name. Right. I, right. You had to look it up. I said, <laughs> because I didn't want the corrections department coming right, at me. Right. Right. Say, right. Well, uh, right. Actually, his right. Name is right. I was about to say is it's actually Frankenstein. Frankenstein is the name of the scientist. Exactly. <laughs> right, right. 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 So right. Mumble from 2006 is Happy Feet. Yeah. Which is a look. I defy anyone to watch that movie and not smile with glee okay happy feet is a good movie it's a great movie yeah. it's so much fun yeah. this little penguin just yeah. tapping dancing all over the place and it's got the nerve to be a little ambitious at the end yeah. when they blow up the world and mm-hmm. he gets not blow up the world well, no. as as a plot point right I, like maybe people haven't seen happy feet i don't want them to think that it ends with the world <laughs> no, no 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 this is not ice age or 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 beneath the planet of the apes um <laughs> When they blow, you know, they kind of blow the world yeah. out and and move him to the to the aquarium, yeah. and kind of go from there. Yeah, I really, really like Happy Feet. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. It's, it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it, and I enjoyed Mumble. And Plus, he is, I think, rightfully number four. Yeah, yeah. I'm hoping Savion Glover is still getting checks. I hope so too. Yeah. Number three. Number three. Now, number three. If I remember my order correctly, this might be event special. Okay. All right. Oh no. It's Iago from Aladdin. From Aladdin. Yeah, because he's named after Shakespeare one of my favorite Shakespeare characters. No. Uh this is not the one I want. I, oh, I meant. Because it's Gilbert Godfrey. Because it's Gilbert Godfrey. That's right. what it means to me. Yeah. It's voiced by Gilbert Godfrey, um, who recently passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, he was funny. He he may be one of the, the three best things in the first Aladdin. You know, uh, of course, we've got Robin Williams. I was trying to think of a third thing. Uh, like, well, I actually like the music. Okay, all like right. The music okay, and, and, okay. And then, then there's Iago. Right, right. Um, and th- this famously, there's I don't know if you know about this. Um, there was a young boy who suffered from some mental uh, affliction and was not speaking. Mm-hmm. And it was not until hearing, uh, I think his father was watching the the documentary of Gilbert Godfrey, okay. Gilbert, and he heard Gilbert speaking and realized that that was the voice of Iago. Okay. And then he started talking again. Oh, that's a sweet story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was a really cool story. Hopefully it wasn't Gilbert Godfrey telling the aristocrats joke. 
Well, no, not in okay. this, not in this documentary. Okay. Did you right. ever see the documentary Gilbert? I did not. You should see that. I believe okay. it's on Hulu. Okay. Um, it was done probably about a year or two ago. Okay. And right. it takes a really like look behind the you know the the clown that is sure. Gilbert. Um, and it really is very good. It's very it gives you a a. a new appreciation for the man okay they're a little early tonight they're oh, early they're early in there they keep they, it they're keeping it moving all right yes yeah um, okay all right uh, iago number three number three now number two this is the vince special oh the vince special number two at number two okay what we got Isabel. Isabel. Isabel from lady <laughs> yeah she's a lady during the day no at night She's a lady at night and a hawk. Right, she's a day. hawk during the day because because Rucker Howard is a wolf, wolf at, night. at night. Yes, and they are separated. Yes, even though they are desperately in desperately love. in love, they got the curse put on them. Yes, yes, and that's <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer. Yes, it is. Right. Now, I don't know how how iconic this is. Well, it's only I, <laughs> here's the thing. It's like me and non-other baby boomers. I mean, um, Gen Xers. There's a lot of people that champion for lady. It's hawk. a lot of lady. It, are there a lot there's of Lady Hawk lo- there's people? There's a lot of Lady Hawk fans. I thought it was like 14 of us. No. And well, two of them was me and my brother. Well, y'all y- y- all had kids. So, <laughs> yes, there are a lot of Lady Hawk fans. There are a lot of Lady Hawk fans. Um, and I was, don't get me wrong, I was surprised by how many there were, too. But there are a lot of Lady Hawk You're fans. You're surprising me right now. <laughs> That really enjoy this movie. Now, my caveat for um, my listing are that these are movies that I have have to have seen. Right, right, right. And I wasn't sure if I seen Lady Hawk. But then you remember you were alive during the 80s. Well, honestly, no. Honestly, what I did was I watched it. Okay. To make sure. Okay. And it's it's an 80s movie. It's. It's, it's very much an 80s. it's an 80s movie what kind of cocaine <laughs> was somebody doing when they pitched lady hawk and then another guy said make it get matthew broderick's people on the phone but it's um it's cute i can see why people like it <laughs> And I can see why people would, you know, champion because you know the tortured love affair that they can't really <laughs> ever touch. That's right. Until it's the eclipse, uh, right? And it's day and night at the same time. All right. All right. So it's 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 cool. It's it's real cute. It's real I cute. love Lady Hawk. So, yes. Yes. I I can't say I I I love it, but I I appreciate it. And enough that I put it. I put her you, above Iago. You, you put her above Iago. All right. Now, before I reveal my number one, I don't have banners for, but I want to give a uh, honorable mention. Okay. To two birds. Okay. And that would be two ducks specifically. Oh. Daffy Duck. Of course. And Donald Duck. Of course. Who probably, if we're being honest, if I'm being honest, would probably be the first birds of motion pictures. Mm Mm-hmm. But technically, all of the short films that they're most famous for, especially Daffy Duck, mm-hmm. while they were released to motion picture houses in their day, 
when they debuted, they were still short cartoons. Right. Right. So then I looked at, all right, well, what feature films did the two of them do? Okay. And Daffy's, most of his feature films were just compilations of his old stuff. Sure. You know, and the ones where he, it, it it's not a compilation. It's kind of like those all-star things. So he's not like the star of the story. Right. And Donald really doesn't star in a lot of full length features. Was, um, except that one, what is it? The three, the three uh, caballeros. Was that full length? See, it technically is full length, but it actually is three shorter films of which he, it, the main one is the three Carrieros. Interesting. But it actually is short films that they kind of packed and marketed as a feature length. So I did not know that until so, this exact second. So I did not want to count that. You, do you remember what year that was? Oh, that's the 40 something. Wow. That long ago. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Daffy Daffy made his debut in 1941. Right. That's why I thought the three Caballeros. Not even 41. Before this, before the war. I thought the Cab- Cab- Caballeros. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is the Caballeros. I thought that was the 50s. Was it the fi- Maybe it was the 50s. Okay. Maybe it was the 50s. Either way. Either way. It doesn't count. Okay. But I wanted to give an honorable mention to them. And well, you should. Because, because they are deserving of it. Yes. And I'm surprised you didn't fold in. Who? Uncle Scrooge. Well, see, that's because Uncle Scrooge um never did a feature on that film. Never did a feature. Never did a feature. On that film. Uh was uh was DuckTales the first animated Uncle Scrooge? I don't think it was the first the first animated, but the first significant an- animation. I believe it certainly was the first animation of a Carl Barks story. I think he shows up in I want to say like one of those wraparounds for Disney or something like that. I like to point out that you're the one that have us, has us adrift right now because you're in your duck bag. I was about to move on. I'm just but then you asked about oh, Uncle I know. Scrooge. Oh, oh, I know. Yeah, I, you you <laughs> you wanted you wanted me to ask no, about Uncle. Scrooge. I actually thought you were going to go Big Bird. No, you wanted to talk about Uncle Scrooge. I mean, you, know, you want me to get my Uncle Scrooge I was book. about to say, you got that big old, you know. I mean, oh, oh, well, if we must talk about Uncle Scrooge. Uh-huh. All right. Well, now you asked a good question. What was the first? <laughs> What's the first? <laughs> Uncle Scrooge. I'm going to look that up because I, I, I want to know. Because it may have been DuckTales. I don't know. Um, let's find out. Uh, Uncle Scrooge. First appearance was Christmas on Bear Mountain. Um, but I, I think that may have been the comic. Right, that's the comic. That's the comic. Yeah. First appearance, first recurring, first hint. Yep, yep, no, no, no. Yep, yep. It was um, it was DuckTales. Yeah, that makes sense. It was DuckTales. Yeah, that makes sense. There you go. All right, so. Number one. Number one. The number one iconic bird of movie history higher than isabeau from lady hawk higher than isabeau higher than daffy and donald even though they're my honorable mention higher than any bird that you can come up with okay and that would be the titular birds from from the, from the birds from the bird yeah 
Yeah. From That's a good set of birds. The Alfred Hitchcock movie. Yeah. Now, let me point out something that only came to me as I was compiling this list. Okay. And tell me if you agree with where I'm going here. Okay. You've seen The Birds, I take it. Yes. For those who haven't seen The Birds, The Birds is an Alfred Hitchcock film from 1963 that is stars Tippi Hendren. Mm. And it, it is about a New England seaport town that is slowly overrun by birds. Yes. And it is birds of all sorts. There are seagulls. Mm-hmm. There are ravens. There mm-hmm. are crows. Mm-hmm. Um, there are all sorts, all varieties of birds just descend upon this sea, seaboard seaport new england town mm-hmm. right now at first the when the movie starts off there's a little bit of a of a a, 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 a all. i don't know if that's the right word but that's one of your words um when these these canaries are in a cage and they're like all a twitter and they're all buzzing mm-hmm. and no, nobody knows what's going on and then slowly and surely, methodically, one bird comes, two birds come, one bird uh, dives down and 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 jabs Tippy Hendren on her head as mm-hmm. she's on a boat crossing the ferry. And then there's, there's like more birds show up, and the birds are like killing people. They're attacking school children. They 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 completely devour. Um, uh, 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 a teacher on mm-hmm. her porch um and it and the 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 citizens of the town they don't know what to do at <laughs> right, first because right, what do you do at first right. they're dismissive it's birds yeah. it's just birds yeah. but then they realize oh my god it's birds yeah yeah and oh, what yeah. can we do against these birds right and right. these birds are just taking over the town right and eventually their only recourse is to leave. Yes. They leave. They, they just say, y'all can have right. the town. Yes. No doubt. Is this a movie? Is this movie a metaphor for white flight? <laughs> no. No. Because black people and brown people were never aggressive when they moved into, into these neighborhoods. Like, like people just sort of moved. No, no, oh, of course, of right, course. No, right. We weren't aggressive, right, right. The, but they thought we were. Yeah, but see, these birds were actually aggressive. Well, okay. Yeah, they were actually aggressive. You don't think that they maybe they're trying to play that out? I don't. Yeah, I think I, I think if anything, Alfred Hitchcock was a complicated complicated man, right? I would I would actually fold that into. And I know it's sixty three, mm-hmm. but I actually think about birds in that tradition of the fifties science fiction that is a reaction to right. the fear of the atomic bomb and atomic energy like, and like and it turns Godzilla and, and it, them. right and it turns nature upside down like what we're doing goes against nature mm-hmm. so the nature is going to go against us like you mm. said you mentioned them which is about giant ants and of course Godzilla, Godzilla but and then it was a, you know food of the gods and, mm-hmm. and so that's what I always think about when I want to make it a genre thing, a science fiction-y thing. Okay. But if anything, I I like it as uh, um, 
Alfred Hitchcock thing oh, where, wow. where things just go wrong. Because the thing that horrifies me most about the birds, it's never explained. No, why not, the bird? No, like it's never. <laughs> not at all. Like you said, the resolution is that everybody leaves. <laughs> they just leave. Yeah. So, all right, well, all right. Well, that's a good one. The birds were the most iconic birds. Yeah, absolutely. Of movie history. Yeah, I think it's fair to say if people have seen one Alfred Hitchcock film, it's probably the birds. Yeah, that probably yeah, either right. that or Psycho. Yeah, yeah, you're right about Psycho. Psycho Psycho is so well known. I I forgot it was Alfred Hitchcock film. Right. I know. Yeah. So. Are either of them your favorite Alfred Hitchcock movie? I'm a rear window dude. You know what? I'm a rear window dude too, but then. I like old Jimmy Stewart. A thousand times. Yeah. My favorite Alfred Hitchcock movie is uh, Rope. Rope's good. Which is old Jimmy Stewart. I was about to say, also a bit of a deep cut. A bit of a deep cut. Bit of a yes. deep cut. Yes. Yeah. But I, I yeah, like, I like Rear Window. You, you know, of course, North by Northwest. I don't like North by Northwest. Really? I don't like North by Northwest. You don't like old Cary Grant? Uh, I like old Cary Grant. I just think that I think it's I think it's um overrated. That's fair. I think it's very overrated. I think I think it is overrated, but yeah. I but I also think it's really good. Eh, 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 no. Or like, um, see, I like young Cary Grant in Notorious. Oh yeah, well that's yeah, that's that's good stuff right that's there. That's great. Yeah, that's that's yeah. Strangers on a Train is that Hitchcock? That is Hitchcock. Yeah, I like Strangers on a Train. Forrest Granger and uh, Robert uh, Taylor. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a good movie. That's yeah. a good movie too. I've seen that. Yeah, I like Strangers on a Train. That's a good one. You know. Uh, third man is that Hitchcock that's or not, that's or not, Orson not, Welles? It Orson Welles stars in it. Technically, right. he doesn't direct it. Who directed Third Man? I forget. the The, the story is that they say Orson Welles maybe directed it, like right. in, in like in Shadow, but technically he's not the director. Yeah, of in that. And you know, I'm not the old movie dude like you are, but I do like. There's a set of them mm-hmm. that I like a lot, and that's that's my speed. Mm-hmm. Right there, those that kind of Hitchcock speed. Okay, so you expand your horizon. Yeah, well, you know, expand. I mean, now I gotta go home and watch Lady Hawk again. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's only so many hours in the day. That's true. <laughs> but well done. Thank Top you. five. Top five. Everybody, go watch the birds and Lady Hawk. And now <laughs> it's time for. Degrees of Duravel Martin, where Vincent will have six movies or less or less to get to an actor of my choosing. Okay. Beginning with 70s superstar. Yeah. Duravel Martin. The icon. Now, in choosing our celebrities for this evening's game Mm -hmm. and thinking of our film Bird from 1988. Yes. But knowing I can't go to black movies from 1988. <laughs> Watch a lot of black movies in 88. And I bet you did. Yeah, I was quite black in 88. You, you were. It's amazing. <laughs> um, but I did go to another film 
that came out in 1988. Okay. And these actors are both from this film. So this film is off the table. This film is off the table because these are actors that you have chosen from said film. Exactly. Okay. And that film is one of the biggest hits of 1988. Okay. Which would be Young Guns. Young Guns. Okay. So Vince. It's a pretty target-rich environment. See who you're going to pick from there. It's six films or less. Get from Dervel Martin. Dervel Martin. to, To Emilio Estevez. Okay. Who played a young Billy the Kid. He did. Do you want to be famous? <laughs> Remember, that was his line. That was his line. <sighs> Emilio Estevez. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Now we know what that means. Okay. How am I going to get to Emilio Estevez? I am going to use a lifeline. No, 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 no. Cause I'm, you know, I'll just tell you how I'm working. I'm in my, um, I'm in my rat pack bag. Hmm. Rat pack, not rat pack. I'm sorry. Brat pack. Yeah. Not rat pack. Brat pack. Okay. Der Vell Martin was in Mm-hmm. And I got to be really a stickler this time because I'm tired of getting emails. From no, 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 no. Messages no. from Louisiana. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Who was he in Repo Man with? Uh, who, Emilio? Yeah, is that Robert du- That's not Robert Duvall, is it? In Repo Man? Yeah. No, it's not Robert Duvall. Who's he in Repo Man with? Uh, he stars in Repo Man with Harry Dean Stanton. Harry Dean Stanton. We've and Harry Dean Stanton has come up. He's in everything. He's in everything. All right. Mm. <laughs> I just I just made a connection. Yeah, it's it's a shame too because I'd actually probably use Young Guns. All right. I know there's a lot of dead air. I'm trying to get to. Okay. Okay. Oh. Oh. All right. Dervo Martin mm-hmm. is, of course, in Sheba Baby. In Sheba Baby. With Pam Greer, who's mm-hmm. in Foxy Brown with Samuel L. Jackson. 
Yes. Samuel L. Jackson is in Emilio Estevez. Yes. So he's in Young Guns. He's in. See, my problem is I'm mixing up who's in St. Elmo's Fire. I don't think he's in St. Elmo's. Oh, I know he's not. I'm trying to link him up with, with one of the guys with the Brat Pack. Mm-hmm. Wait. Wait. Mm-hmm. Emilio Estevez is in The Outsiders? I will tell you in a moment if Emilio Estevez is in The Outsiders. He is indeed. Oh. All right. In the outside. Well, there you go. There you go, right there. Um, and I'm going to buy a vowel. Start all over again. Dervil Martin is in Sheba Baby. With Pam Greer. Pam Greer is in Grease Lightning with Richard Pryor. Mm-hmm. Richard Pryor is in Damn, I just lost it. Richard Pryor. Oh, Richard Pryor is in Which Way is Up with Margaret Avery. Mm-hmm. Margaret Avery is in The Color Purple with Whoopi Goldberg. How many am I on now? That's about four. Whoopi Goldberg is in Ghost. With Patrick Swayze, who's in The Outsiders, with Emilio Estevez. Okay. I know it's a shorter way to get to him, but I'm just... I'm looking through Dervo Martin's filmography, and I thought... I'm real tied up. Like, the Brat Pack really jumbled me up. I thought he was in a movie that James Brown was in, but maybe not. Yeah. He wasn't. Emilio Estevez was in a lot of stuff in the 90s that I can't remember. Yeah. Well, you could have gone just quicker. uh, You could have gone Black Caesar to get to Fred Williamson. Okay. And then Fred Williamson to um, Three to Hardway with Jim Brown. Okay. And then Jim Brown to The Dirty Dozen. Okay. With Harry Dean Stanton. Right. Who's in Repo Repo Man. Man. Yeah. Yeah, quietly, like it's Young Guns, The Mighty Ducks, The Outsiders. Wasn't he in a movie with Charlie? Probably. Were the Sheens in a movie? I I feel like they all three. I feel like all three of them were in a movie, movie. but I don't remember the movie. And he did another movie. Um, This is a movie that people were like kind of kind of shouting out. And I think they confused with Repo Man. He was in Stakeout. Who's he in Stakeout with? Uh, I believe that was with Richard Dreyfuss. Yeah, stakeout's pretty good. Yeah, it was fun. They did, a, they did another stakeout called yeah. another stakeout. Right. Yeah. All right. All right. It was ugly, but it I'll take ugly. it. 
This one. Um, also from Young Guns. Also from Young Guns. All right. And in Young Guns, he played the character Jose Chavez. Oh, damn, I was hoping you weren't going to pick him. <laughs> I thought he would be the hard one. Yeah. So Vince. Yeah. In six movies or less, get from um, Durville Martin. Oh, God. To, 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 to Lou, Lou Gossett, Diamond Phillips. Lou Diamond Phillips. Shit. <laughs> Oh my God! Because the only thing I know, Lou Diamond Phillips is in La Bamba. He's in Young Guns. And then he pretty much wait. Okay. Okay. I have him up. Lou Diamond Phillips. Is he in Stand and Deliver? Yes. With uh, what's my man's name? That would be Edward James almost. Edward James almost. Oh, Captain boom. Adama. Done. Derville Martin mm-hmm. is in the final come down with um Billy D. Williams. Billy D. Yes. Williams is in, in the Empire Strikes Back with Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford is in Mother Trucking Blade Runner. With Edward James Olmos, who's in Stand and Deliver with Lou Diamond Phillips. Edward James Olmos is in Blade Runner? Come on, man. You are so disrespectful (laughs) to Blade Runner that, like, it is only our dear friendship (laughs) that I ignore the continuous disrespect that you have for one of the greatest science fiction films ever made. Come on, man. Stop. Stop. I don't remember. He's the mysterious lieutenant dude who does the origami. Yes. I seem to remember that. Come on. He does the origami at a unicorn. That's how you know that Decker is a replicant because he knows what Decker has been dreaming about. That's why you have to watch the director's cut with the dream sequence about the unicorn. She won't live, you know, but then none of us, come on, stop. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to do that. Yes, 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 yes. Edward James almost is indeed in Blade Runner. Okay. Well, yes. Well done, Vincent. Well done. Doesn't feel well because you're so disrespectful. <laughs> oh, he was in Blade Runner. But there, but there. Next, you'll be telling me, you, you, did, did, did you know Rucker Howard is also in Blade Runner? I do did you, remember did that. Did you know that? He turns did, into a wolf at night. Oh. <laughs> The things I've seen. <laughs> Come on, man! So disrespectful. No, no, no. I like yeah, you know, play runner. You know, I, I dig it. You know, there can only be one. <laughs> All right, that's, that's enough out of you, Mister Jokey Joke. <laughs> oh God! Oh God! <laughs> Anyway, 
Well, there you go. There you go. There you go. There you go. It's a Dervil Martin. See, you took so long on Emilio I know. I thought you were going to fly through Emilio and get stuck on Lou Diamond Phillips. Yeah. So I actually had a third one ready. I know. But you took so long, I can't get We don't even have time. Can you tell me who it is? Terrence Stamp. Yeah, I can't do him real quick. He was in... Wait, is that Superman? He was in Young Guns. Is that Zod? That is that is Zod. Oh, you know I can get to Zod. Really well, quick. yeah. But thinking, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we don't need it. Yeah, yeah. You get to Zod real quick. Yeah. But okay. All right. Why do you say these things when you know that I will kill you for <laughs> That's from Blade Runner. <laughs> Sydney Portier, Diane Carroll. Gene Hackman, Terrence Stamp. All people who turned down Blade Runner. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Guess who's coming to dinner? The split. Superman. That's how you get from Derville Martin to Terrence Stamp. You take me out how after you take forever on one, I know. You always just want to flex. Yeah, you well, wanna... well, you know, you know. <laughs> you know. They're still impressed. Oh, uh, you know. You left them impressed. It's Emilio Estevez. Like, what is he in exactly? You did well. Right, right. It's like, is somebody in the Mighty Ducks with him? <laughs> no. Him and a bunch of kids. No. They didn't even make the top iconic birds. They, right, 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 right. You know what? Can't tell you. I mean, it's not really a secret. I guess it doesn't really change anything. I've never actually seen the Mighty Ducks. Me neither. Olivia didn't want to see it, so I, know. I didn't have to see it. But people talk about the Mighty Ducks. Because like, I guess it's, it's a, a thing. It's a, it's a sports film. Yeah, it's a thing. You know, it's hockey. It, it's more than a thing. I think they did like two. Yeah, yeah. They brought it back. Yeah. So you know. I've never actually seen it. I know Amelia Estevez is in it. Do you know that? And you don't like free plugs. Disney Plus is going to be premiering the Miss Marvel. TV series. Yes. Tomorrow. Yes. I was about to say tomorrow on Disney plus. And I don't know about where you are, ladies and gentlemen, but here in Philadelphia, they actually are having a watch party oh. for Miss Marvel at Amalgam comics and coffee house. So um, you can go to Amalgam comics and coffee house on uh, 2578 Frankfurt Avenue here in Philadelphia tomorrow evening and join with, the their their legion of fans, the amalgamation, the amalgamation mm-hmm. to watch the premiere episode of the new Ms. Marvel TV series on Disney Plus, um, featuring the I don't know if she is the first Muslim superhero. She she absolutely is. Is she the first? I think she is. Okay, well, well, she's certainly the first to have a, a TV show. Yeah, I know that. Oh, you meant like overall? Yeah, yeah. I oh, think, I don't think yeah, she's not the yeah, first. I don't think she's overall. first overall. Yeah, but the first one to have her own TV right, show, right? And certainly in the MCU, certainly, yeah. certainly. And she's a, a huge character in in Marvel comics. Yeah, absolutely. So a, a, a big hit, and so hopefully that can translate over to right. the um, MCU. So I'm looking forward to that, especially especially looking forward to that, because while I appreciated them introducing America Chavez and the Doctor Strange movies, mm-hmm. I don't feel that like they did much with her in sure. that movie. So to have this be totally centered around her 
yeah around the the the, the young character that yeah. is miss marvel i'm really excited for it yeah yeah look you can tell they're, they're slowly but surely they're seeding this next generation yeah because of, with that and uh hawkeye hawkeye patriots grandson shows up. i mean elijah um bradley elijah bradley's grandson isaiah, Brad- isaiah bradley's grandson shows up yeah in the falcon and the winter soldier if you're paying attention yeah if you're paying attention and yeah. they don't make it like a, a right, spotlight right, them so right. much i'm sure we haven't seen the last of scarlet witch's kids i i don't think so i don't mm. oh oh you you know marvel is not leaving the ip on the table oh okay fair enough yeah fair enough and that was then america chavez so yeah i'm looking right, forward right, right. I'm and, and, and you know what they're doing like like i think they're just really laying the groundwork for, for the introduction of, of the big gun miles morales live action. oh yeah 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 well, I, and i'm wondering how they're going to work that i mean I think it's pretty easy. You- no, it's not really easy because, you know, they want to keep their fingers on the pulse of that. And Miles Morales will still be under Sony. I, I mean, I, they do whatever they did with the lawyers with Peter Parker. And, and Miles Morales already has his own very successful animated animated. Yeah. There's no way there's not going to be a live action Miles Morales in the next five years. I mean, I, I would love to I see would it. eat my hat if we don't see a live action Miles Morales by 2030. Maybe he crosses over into the live action world at the end of the yeah. Spider-Verse sequel. Well, they've already seeded it at the end of um, I forgot which Spider-Man, but the one with Donald Glover calling his nephew Miles saying that he's going to well, be yeah. late. Yeah. So, you know, he's around. He's around. Right? He's definitely there. Mm, I know. So you know, yeah, I, I guess he is the big gun of that of that squad, right? Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. There's no bigger gun than Miles Morales. Yeah, I, I, of, I of that, that generation, he is most certainly. Yeah, Ms. Ms. Marvel is the next highest gun, mm-hmm. the next biggest gun. Yeah, yeah. You know, with It'll... Hawkeye, kind of the third gun, mm-hmm. and then somehow they can maybe get to Riri. She's got a show coming out. Is hers animated too? No. Is it going to be live? No, action? the word is she's going to be in the new Black Panther. Oh. Yeah, Riri is already. That's why, like like I said, you see what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's get into our review of Bird. We'll be back with the film review as soon as we do something funky and have steps in it. Ladies and gentlemen, let's hear it for the man of the century. Charlie Parker's in town. Jazz will never be the same. All right, what do you think about Yard Bird? I'm sorry. But if you and me got together... Three months suspended sentence. Is it possible that you could put me in jail and then reinstate my cabaret car, sir? 
I think you would benefit from the state asylum and from shock treatment. We're talking about a very special creative man. You know, there's no law that says I have to mess up. They're going to talk about you when you're dead, Bert. What will they do now? It's time to save your life, Bert. This is the year I'm supposed to die. I will dizzy everything. I love you. The bird of time has but a little way to flutter. Charlie Yardbird Parker. A man who knew no boundaries. Bird. Produced and directed by Clint Eastwood. Bird, a 1988 American biographical film about jazz saxophonist Charlie Bird Parker, directed and produced by Clint Eastwood, starring Forrest Whitaker. It is constructed as a montage of scenes from Charlie Parker's life from his childhood in Kansas City through his early death at the age of 34. This film, as I mentioned, from 1988, also stars in its cast Diane Venora, Michael Zeniker, Samuel Wright as Dizzy Gillespie, Keith David, Blink and You'll Miss Them, John Witherspoon (laughs) and Tony Todd, as well as Tony Cox, and Michelle Mission favorite Bill Cobbs Mm. shows up in this stop in Black Music Month on the mission and Vincent's selection for this week. Vincent, what say you of Bird? I think Bird is a great film to use to discuss the difference between a passion project and a vanity project. Mm, Okay. Background of Bird, as everyone knows, Clint Eastwood directed this film, and Clint Eastwood was really the driving force. Yeah, to get it made. To get this film made after it had been in development for a number of years. Richard Pryor was connected to it after the 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 writer, um the the writer Joel Olinsky mm-hmm. had had written this script based on some remembrances of Charlie Parker that he had gotten from people. And and Clint Eastwood is a noted music fan. And specifically a jazz. a jazz aficionado, and 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 Clint Eastwood talks about the the effect that Charlie Parker had on him when Eastwood saw him mm-hmm. perform back in 1945. Or right. So this really was a, a a real passionate project for Clint Eastwood to make, and you have to appreciate that. If nothing else, you have to appreciate someone who has gotten the level of acclaim and the level of of um, influence status and status that Clint Eastwood had to make it. But we're here to talk about the film itself. Mm -hmm. And again, passion can drive and make something really affecting or it can lead to to indulgence mm-hmm. 
and and almost a, a, a myopic depiction that really only you, you know appropriately enough as as we're celebrating Prince's birthday in one of my favorite lines from Purple Rain, where where the where Billy the club owner tells the kid, "Don't nobody understand your music but yourself." Mm-hmm. And this is Clint Eastwood's vision of this story. And that colors every aspect of this film, beginning with the length. This movie is two hours and 40 minutes. Say that again. This movie is two hours and and 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. Which you would think that a film this length would be very comprehensive. You think about a film like Malcolm X, which clocks in about three hours. Gandhi. Gandhi. But both of these films, you get significant sequences at each step mm-hmm. of these men's lives. Mm-hmm. This film focuses basically on the last five years of Charlie Parker's life. There are a couple of flashes in the flash in flashbacks, but really focus on the word flash. But a significant amount of this film takes place during Charlie Parker's marriage to his common law fourth wife, Chan Parker. Yes, played by Dan Fenora. Played by Dan Fenora. And this is because she was very open to Eastwood. You know, her, she she let him use her, her unpublished memoir. Mm. And more significantly, she had some recordings. Yeah. Yeah. That that were integrated into the film that we'll talk about in a moment. And right from there, this is an almost three hour film, but it's only dealing with this relatively small portion mm. of Parker's life. And then, sadly, ironically, sadly and ironically, for it to be based on this relationship between Charlie Parker and his fourth wife, their relationship isn't fleshed out that well. Like, you don't, you you, you see them together, but it really is, except for moments here and there, this almost by the numbers exchange between the two actors mm-hmm. i think um you know as you mentioned chan chan um chan parker is played by ann venora i think she does okay yeah but frankly i think everybody in this film does okay, okay. yeah with the luxury of hindsight i can i i i'm, I'm i was underwhelmed by forrest whitaker just because i've seen Forrest Whitaker do much better work. Mm-hmm. I understand how this may have been the breakout role for him, mm-hmm. which people say this is what kind of catapulted him into becoming Forrest Whitaker. But almost 30 years later, mm-hmm. you see that this is nowhere near who Forrest Whitaker was going to be. And again, except for a moment, there's a wonderful exchange between these two characters 
when their daughter is dying, where you get a sense of the tension and the stress yeah. that this life is, is, is putting on, that you get some life between them. But that's not really there throughout the film. So then the question becomes, well, at two hours and 40 minutes, what the hell was Eastwood doing with it? Mm -hmm. And I think what happens is there is a type of music fan. And, and using this as evidence, I think Clint Eastwood is one of these fans with Charlie Parker. Okay. There's a type of music fan that is so enamored with the myth of the troubled artist. Mm -hmm. Like, like, like more than the art itself, I'm really interested in the myth. Like these are the people who talk about, you, you know, the 27 club with, with Kurt Cobain and, and Jim Morrison and Jimi Hendrix and, you know, all the musicians who died when Janis they were Joplin. Janis Joplin, all, you know, Amy Winehouse, mm -hmm. you know, um, all these musicians who died when they were 27. Yeah. Like people kind of keep track of those or, or, or they're much more interested in the, the East West hip hop beef mm. that claimed the lives of Biggie and Tupac. Mm -hmm. than the actual music mm -hmm. of Biggie and Tupac. And I think there is a version of this that you see with this type of jazz fan who they love to almost fetishize the drug use mm -hmm. that ran rampant throughout this, the you know, a lot of these artists and, you know, the drugs kind of, propel them into playing better or they're fighting their own demons and all this. And if there's one speed in theme that Clint Eastwood batters you over the head with mm -hmm. is that Charlie Parker was, was, you, you know, one of these tortured artists who's addicted to heroin and this drives everything about him and his behavior. And it's a very superficial characterization. Like you never understand why he's addicted to drugs. You never get a sense of how this affects his relationships around him besides this very kind of cookie cutter. You know, he's not where he's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. He's sloppy. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes his playing is affected, but nothing that deep yeah yeah and i think part of that speaks to another problem that this film has the nuance that i'm talking about that i think you need with charlie parker comes frankly from presenting a fuller picture of charlie parker which means you have to present a blacker picture of charlie parker and I think this is a film, and I don't know who to point fingers at, the, 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 the screenwriter or the director, but this is a film that is uncomfortable with blackness. Mm -hmm. For Charlie Parker to be this amazingly influential figure in jazz mm -hmm. and in pop music towards the end, there, there, there is a lot of screen time where he's just surrounded by white people. Yep. Now, Chan Chan Parker is his wife and she's white. 
But, you know, he, he had four wives. He had four wives. And again, this is not a film that explores this time period because they want to explore this time period. Mm-hmm. Because this time period isn't really explored that well. No, no, again, no. the relationship between the Parkers, you don't really see. And then the bad part is because this is a film that is uncomfortable with depicting blackness, you get three of the major storylines are kneecapped. You mentioned Dizzy Gillespie's character, who Dizzy Gillespie was was a contemporary of Charlie Parker, mm-hmm. you know, very, very much influential in his own right at this time, played by Samuel Wright. Yes. Every moment with Samuel Wright as Dizzy Gillespie, I just wanted more of Dizzy Gillespie. Yes. And Dizzy Gillespie's articulation of his place as a black man mm-hmm. in this world. Mm-hmm. And this is something, you know, I'll give credit to the screenwriter because this is in the script. Is the type of meat that you want from Charlie Parker's story. Exactly. Exactly. Buster Franklin, played by the magnificent Keith David. Musician in his own right. Mm-hmm. Apparently played a mentor to Parker and another, you know, a number of saxophone players. Mm-hmm. There's this amazingly evocative moment towards the end of the film where you see how Buster Franklin's style has been changing and how he's responding to this moment on the cusp of rock and roll. Yep. That is extraordinary. Yes. And again, you want this. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Bill Cobbs, and, and, and maybe we're just suckers for Bill Cobbs, but Bill Cobbs, who plays Dr. Colfield, mm-hmm. who is a family friend of the Parkers. We see him when when he basically tries to scare Charlie Parker straight. Yeah. When Parker is a yeah. teenager. But then we see him in France, mm-hmm. where he's moved to Paris, as many black men did during this time. And they have this wonderful exchange about being black in America and being black in Paris and the pros and cons. Mm-hmm. But again, this is a moment that comes and goes. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about his drug addiction. Look, let me let me look. I'm not a Charlie Parker. Like Charlie Parker isn't one of my guys. So I don't know a lot about Charlie Parker. Oh, really? I thought he was. He's not one of my guys. Okay. But one thing that fascinates me about Charlie Parker is a lot of jazz historians talk about the influence that he had for good and bad. But part of the bad was a lot of jazz players who were younger than Charlie Parker got into drugs, emulating Parker. Yes, yes. You see a moment, you see a bit of this with the character Red. Red, but again, this is a white musician. Like, how do you choose a white musician to to illustrate this part of it? And that 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 again just undermines some of the meat to it finally there's a second week in a row we they mentioned it a little bit in um miles ahead but the politics of the cabaret card 
mm-hmm. and how black black musicians couldn't get a cabaret card. And frankly, the racism behind how drugs were criminalized mm-hmm. and connected to the cabaret card. This is all. And, and this very much affected Charlie Parker's career. Yeah. yeah. They allude to it. They mention it. But you never really get an exploration of it because Clint Eastwood's bird is not interested in this aspect of his life. So you have this whole part that's just cut off. Mm -hmm. And then irony of ironies. If the driving force of this film, which I think you can argue it is, was Clint Eastwood getting his hands on this unreleased Charlie Parker music. And basically building a, a film around it. And and I read a lot about the development of the film. Mm-hmm. And, and everything that you read talks about how they isolated Charlie Parker's parts. And then they built out from there. They brought in other, other uh, musicians. Yeah. And then they built up. But it sounded weird to me. And I couldn't figure the out. The music sounded weird to me. And I couldn't figure out how why it sounded weird until I finished the movie. Mm-hmm. And then start reading some criticism of the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, you watch the movie, like you read about the development, but you don't read any reviews because exactly. you don't want it to color your own reviews. But then when I read some criticism, Stanley Crouch, who was one of the most vocal critics of this film, pointed out how wrongheaded that is to isolate Charlie Parker's parts because jazz is collaborative. Mm-hmm. Like what makes jazz work is the players bouncing off of each other. Mm-hmm. So if you remove Charlie Parker's solos and his playing from the context in which it's being played, it's like you're putting together two disparate puzzle pieces so that even that doesn't really work. But again, for Clint Eastwood, who always cites this as one of his f- favorite films. Mm. Like I read an interview with him from, I think 2017, where he said, this is in his top five favorite films that he's directed mm. to this day. This is what he's interested in. He's interested in the, the, the legend mm-hmm. of Charlie Parker. I think more than frankly, what makes Charlie Parker Parker. Are there some, you you know, some things you can you can celebrate in here? Yeah, I think, you know, I think even at this point, even though he God knows he needs an editor, you can tell Clint Eastwood is a solid director. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There there there's 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 a wonderful tracking shot where where it it, it, the the film highlights a hallway filled with saxophone players. Mm -hmm. That is amazing. There's a there's a, a, a moment where Charlie Parker emerges from a smoky doorway mm-hmm. and takes the stage. That is fantastic. You know, the costuming, the sets, like everything, again, is very lovingly put together. But ultimately, as many critics said in 88, and, and frankly, I think I landed on it, on this reading with them, this is a film that, is interesting to Clint Eastwood, mm-hmm. but I don't know how much appeal it would hold 
or holds for other people. Yeah, me neither. And I think the reason for this, and I, I looked at it to make sure, you know, at this time in 1988, Clint Eastwood is a celebrated director at this time. Mm-hmm. However, all of the films that he had directed, he starred in. So mm-hmm. this was the first one that he is not the star of. Um, and I think that proves a bit of a detriment because I think that when you are the the star, especially a star of Clint Eastwood's magnitude, and you are the director, but also sharing the scenes with actors, then first of all, actors want to share the scene with you because you're Clint Eastwood. And two, they are feeding off of you. Because Clint Eastwood, he's not the most nuanced actor, but he is a presence when he is on on a on a set. And this film, very young in Forrest Whitaker's career, Forrest Whitaker, a man who would develop into someone who can definitely fill out a screen. He's not there at holding your attention, nor being the star upon which all your other actors are kind of like pulling energy from. Mm -hmm. And I don't think at this juncture, because this is his first time not being in front of the camera as well, Clint Eastwood is as skilled as working with actors as, as opposed to moving his camera around. And famously he's known for being quick on a on a set mm-hmm. so that kind of like speaks to like hey i stay out of the actor's way you know i, I cast the thing I, I cast what i think are good actors and i stay out of their way and then i just do my thing i also think that the way that this film jumps back and forth through time you know um there is a it, it, there is an, a, a, a scene that is established near the top of Charlie sharing the stage with um, Dizzy Gillespie's band. And we return to that scene throughout the film from different points of view. Sometimes we, we return to it from Charlie's point of view. We return to it from Shan's point of view, from Dizzy's point of view, from like his manager's point of view. And each time it re- reveals a, something different about that scene. Um, and I think the way that Clint Eastwood is moving in and out of time with that scene throughout the movie is new to him. That's certainly not anything that I had seen in any of his films prior to this. I, I felt that a lot of I, I felt a lot of this film, as much as like I herald him, you know, he's heralded as being like a jazz aficionado. I felt a lot of this was Clint taking the opportunity to go to film school and mm-hmm. try a lot of the things that he wouldn't try on a movie that he's doing. But on this one, I'm going to try it. I'm going to play around with the storyline. A okay. little bit. Um, I'm going to try and uh, play with this tracking shot. Like you mentioned the tracking shot. I'm going to mess around with the lighting a little. Um, and I think the word you use is very apt, superficial. It, it, everything else 
is gives way to him just having fun with making a movie. Mm. Um, I think that you're right. He's not interested in, in interrogating Charlie, Charlie Parker's life, you know, his foibles, why he became the man that he was. He's not interested in that, despite the film opening with Charlie Parker as a kid and racing through two or three scenes of him as a teenager, um, played by Forrest Whitaker's, I think, nephew, mm. who, mm-hmm. who, you may want to get a DNA test because his <laughs> 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 nephew. <laughs> I'm just saying, get a DNA test, bro. That's all I'm saying. Um, but but very well. Yeah. Um, but but he races through those those scenes, and those scenes add nothing to the commentary on no. on Charlie Parker's life as we come to see it throughout the rest of the film. Uh, it does jump to his relationship with Chan and it gives a little lip service to, you know, she mentions to him about how, you know, I think I'm the only woman in town that you haven't slept with. You, everyone and everyone out there, you know, has a ring and he, and his line is like, well, rings are cheap. Yes. Uh, which I actually think is a good line. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's icky, but right, it's, right. I think as a, as a written line, it's a good line. Um, so bravo to the script in that in that regards. Um, but yeah, he, but after that, I don't I'd feel there's very little chemistry between Forrest Whitaker and Diane Venora um, and the direction doesn't help it at mm-hmm. all. I think the film jumps from place to place. We're in California, we're in the South, we're in Chicago, we're in New York. And I don't think it does a good job of establishing any of those right, places. Right. You can't really tell the difference. You really cannot yeah. tell the mm-hmm. difference at all. I mean, you know when they're on the road because they're in a car. Right. Outside of that, you really can't tell the difference. Right. Um. So, and because of that, it's hard to keep track of the time, what time, what space we are in, especially with, as I mentioned, the movie is now moving back and forth through this one scene mm-hmm. that keeps it keeps returning to 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 show you some other aspect of of the of this of what's happening in that scene. That scene again doesn't do anything to investigate exactly who charlie parker is there's no investigation of charlie parker there's no investigation of his music right this is all this trappings for clint eastwood to just have fun with the camera there um there's and and, and again just to piggyback on what you just said it's one thing to say that there is no investigation of charlie parker the person Mm -hmm. but this film really lets down an investigation of the music. Yeah. There's a moment that I almost threw my notebook at the screen where Charlie Parker is talking about the moment where he came up with his style. Yes. You know, he talks about playing the song over and over again Mm -hmm. and basically Mm -hmm. had gotten bored with it. Mm -hmm. So then he started to deconstruct it. Yes. And I said, why in the hell wouldn't you dramatize this? Yes. Why is Forrest Whitaker sitting there 
telling us this story. Why are we not? Why is not showing? We it? should see this. Like this is the moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like the film doesn't even care enough to show that. Especially, especially because when he says that, think of where he is in his life at that right. moment. Like, why are you there now? You know what I mean? Because he, he's at, at a very down moment at, at that time. So, so there's it 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 boggles the freaking mind. It it really is look it, it's, it's annoying. Look, it, it and and I'll say this because I did want to be clear that we watched the film mm-hmm. before you went into the reviews. Oh yeah, because there is a whole world of criticism of this film mm-hmm. to the point even the minute thing of. Charlie Parker's contemporaries say he didn't even move like all that thrusting that he did on stage in this in the film. He didn't even move like that. Yeah, yeah. And that that was one thing that really bothered me. And I I kind of just uh, wrote it off as Forrest Whitaker being a younger actor at this time. Right. But if you're depicting a real person. And part of 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 your argument for this film is that I'm going to show you this this person that you don't know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I talked about the music sounding funny because it was removed from the context of the collaboration from everyone else on stage. Talking about the film's discomfort with demonstrating blackness. Oh yeah. yeah. One of the things that jazz does is you have this almost competition Mm-hmm. between the players mm-hmm. going back and forth. And that was another, that's another level of criticism that this film got, especially from Parker's contemporaries. They talk about how, how competitive and how aggressive Parker was on stage. Mm-hmm. And they would go back and forth. And, you know, like I said, I'm not like, I'm not a Charlie Parker guy, but, but I think about the couple of recordings I've heard with Charlie Parker and Dizzy Gillespie playing together mm-hmm. and they're battling mm-hmm. like you can hear it, them going back and forth against each other. None of that is there. None of it. None of that is none. there. And talking about that, I will say that many good things came out of this film. Like a lot of responses to this film came like Spike Lee talked about the fact that in a lot of ways, Mo better blues. Yeah is a direct answer to the way he he sees the stereotyped ways that jazz musicians are depicted in this film. Stanley Crouch has a beautiful essay in a book. I actually bought the book of, um, of essays today, but there's a beautiful essay if you can find it. I couldn't find it online, which then meant I had to buy the collection. Uh, Birdland. Charlie Parker, Clint Eastwood, and America, which was published in a collection considering genius writings on jazz. Mm. Just, just, just beautiful music criticism. But Stanley Crouch basically had to put his money where his mouth was. Okay. After, you know, say, okay, well, if you think you can do better, talking about bird did it and he wrote the 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 really well-renowned um biography of kansas city lightning 
Okay. Kansas City Lightning, which is a well-renowned. I haven't read it, but it's now on my list of books to go ahead and read. But I remember hearing about it. Um, Many would argue the definitive biography of Charlie Parker. So if nothing else, this film served as a launching point for people for people to respond to it. Yeah. And, you know. Give credit where credit is due. I don't know if someone would have made a film about Charlie Parker or if someone would have been able to make a film about Charlie Parker Mm -hmm. besides Clint Eastwood. Certainly in in 1988. 1988. Certainly in 1988. And frankly, as we sit here, no one's made another film about him. No, they have not. So, well, I mean, you look out there and you see, well, there's a three hour movie about him. I, I, Right. What else could I do? What else could I do? <laughs> right. Little do you know. Little do you know. There's a lot to be mined. It's fascinating because I do think it's a film people might know about. Yeah, you know about it. But, but, but you know, I mean, I, it was a commercial failure. Yes, it was. It was a commercial failure. And one of, I think it's the second worst performing film in Eastwood's career mm-hmm. that he directed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think people know about it. Yeah, you know about it. But, but I don't know how many people have actually seen it. Probably not a lot of people. Like you said, the acting doesn't it doesn't do it any any justice. To be honest, the trailer is not the most you know scintillating piece of of editing either. This is the first time I've seen it. Um, I realize I've never seen it before. Keith David shows up and then he's gone. I know he's gone for most of the I movie. Know. He's got and, two and then scenes, you're, and you're asked to care about what happens with him, but. You why he's been going for right, an hour and a right, half, right? Um, and and the person that's been there that you want a little bit more of, which is dizzy, you don't you don't get just until don't, yeah. the end. So yeah, yeah I, I just found this movie overall to be a bit of a mess. Um, I'm happy that I saw it. Right. I'm happy that it exists. Yes. But I just I do feel that it was it's a failure. Um, but with that in mind, would you recommend that people watch Bird? I would not. Oh, really? Yeah, I would not recommend people watch Bird. If anything, like I said, I would look up the two Stanley Crouch readings that I talked about. Mm-hmm. I actually think it's worth watching Mo Better Blues, mm-hmm. knowing that part of the impetus for the film was Spike Lee responding to this. Okay. But but Bird itself, I, I can't make an argument. I can't make an argument either. And, and unfortunately, the story of Charlie Parker, um, who died from complications from his addiction, let's mm-hmm. say that. And while it wasn't technically the addiction, he 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 suffered with with, with bleeding ulcers, yeah. psoriasis. You know, like and ultimately um, did him in at oh my. God, 34 years old. Um, unfortunately, that story of the the jazz legend gone too soon is not an unfamiliar story. Yeah. So I think you are better served just enjoying some Charlie Parker. Yeah. The, the last thing I will um, recommend, there's a wonderful children's book. This is one of my kids' favorite books still one of Adams uh, called Charlie Parker plays bebop. Oh, really? That is so wonderful. Chris, uh, Roshka. 
wrote okay. it. Okay. So. Well, there you go. If you have if you have any children in your life, Charlie Parker, please be Bob. He has another book called Mysterious Thelonious. That's also. Oh, I do. I see. I know yeah. that book. You know Mysterious Thelonious. Know yeah. Book. yeah. But Charlie Parker, please be Bob, is fantastic. Oh, pretty cool. That's so. Dope. Everyone go buy a copy of Charlie Parker, please Bebop. And then listen to some Bebop. And then listen to some Charlie Parker. There you go. All right. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, before we get into what we're going to be reviewing next week, um, (laughs) Miss Makiba, she says, uh, my youngest son looks more like my sister's kid than he looks like me. (laughs) Hashtag DNA test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, Genetics are weird. Yeah, they are. All right. Uh, before we get into what we're going to be reviewing next week, ladies and gentlemen, I invite you to check out the Me Show Mission Two Men One podcast. Every black film ever made, the Me Show Mission is produced by Vincent Williams and Len Webb. It is edited by Len Webb, co-produced by Maurice Poplar. Our social media is handled by Toya Haynes. Our theme song comes from Alexa Gold. You can check out our website, michellemission.com and hit swag. We can ke- check out all the cool designs and gifts that we have available by our good friends at T Public. Email us at michellemission at gmail.com com hit our voicemail with 215-867-9666 tell us what's on your mind follow the Michelle mission on instagram facebook and twitter at Michelle mission subscribe on youtube and twitch at Michelle mission and subscribe wherever you find your favorite podcast where we invite you to please give us a five-star rating and a review especially if it's on spotify and apple Podcasts, because those are the biggest distributor of podcasts and it really helps us gain in their algorithms and don't forget the Michelle mission is a proud member of the podglomerate the podglomerate.com we make podcasts work. Next week, it we are still in Black Music Month. It is my turn. Yes, it is. And we are going to a film that I think I saw. Okay. But I'm not sure I finished. Okay. And it's from 2014. And it stars the late Chadwick Boseman in Get on up. Get on up. The James Brown story. Yes. Looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that too, ladies and gentlemen, next week here on the Michelle Mission. Until then, he's Vince. I'm Len. And in parting, we say, we'll see you when it's time to meet again. Bye.